Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Point of Origin, episode 74, the show where Darmok and Jalad aren't on Tanagra anymore. Wait, wrong show. <laughs> I, uh, I gotta say, I love this episode, but my favorite thing about it was the first five minutes reminding me that this is based off of, not based off of, but is extremely similar to a next-gen episode called Darmok, <laughs> which I fucking love. And then, of course, I spent like ten minutes realizing I'm an idiot for never noticing any of the parallels before, <laughs> because they're blatant. To be fair, I don't even remember the episode you're talking about. I'm sure if I actually if I actually watched it, I would. But like you just saying it, I'm like I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's that one where the um the the species, the Tamarians or something like that. I think uh they they don't speak like we're used to, like humans are, or most species are used to. They speak only in metaphors, and all the metaphors refer to their own past. So uh, the big the device that helps Picard actually communicate, like start to understand, I should say instead, is when he realizes it realizes that all their metaphors are based on their own like epic tales and stuff. So mm -hmm. he uses Gilgamesh as a, a uh, way to combine, of he connect. Would. Yeah. That so that's really cool. Literature nerd. Right. So it, I really love that he uses that to connect because that's speaking of parallels, Daniel uses something kind of similar with, you know, using a, his own kind of myth where he's like, I don't know if you've heard of Androcles. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it, but on that that episode, it's all about them learning. That's the whole episode is actually about first contact, and it's literally Picard attempting to learn how to communicate with a species and vice versa through adversity, because nice. their spe that's how that species does shit. Anyway, it's it's a really fantastic episode. I'm, I I have a really awesome shirt that <laughs> has a picture of Picard on the front, rocking out on a guitar, and it says Tarmac and Jalad at Tanagra, nineteen ninety one. That's it's so funny. It's fucking hysterical. But yeah, so as much as I love that episode, I have to say this one is entirely different while being exceptionally the same. <laughs> exceptionally uh, similar. I love this episode with all my heart. Because um, Hi, I'm Mel. And <laughs> as I mentioned last episode, uh, I have an unironic love for uh, that 80s kish that like that that very specific tone that 80s movies like the the really popular well-known ones Ferris Bueller Breakfast Club and honestly um this might be very similar to a Star Trek episode it's also got some huge chunk and sloth vibes <laughs> um which I feel is definitely on purpose considering the writer and director but I just, I, I love this episode so much. It, I love it with the same unadulterated joy that I enjoy 80s movies with. <laughs> and I'm Liz, and uh, I just love this episode because it's really well built. It's well built, it's, it's well made, well it's well built. executed. Um, there's a few moments of what the fuck, but that's that's not unusual, so it doesn't really take away from anything. It's got great dialogue, um great banter they do a pretty good job of cutting between the two teams um in in well-constructed flows uh which makes sense considering the writer and director are the same person for this episode so he would know exactly how he wants it to flow together i have to say i really did appreciate the direction in this episode too it was oh yeah 100 percent. something it, it felt much more hands-on and i'm sure it's because it was also something he wrote so he probably mm -hmm. felt pretty uh connected to it probably felt oh, like absolutely. this was important to get right so 
on that note, uh, today we are covering Season 4, Episode 8, the first ones, which was both written and directed by Peter DeLuise. Love him. We had already, before this episode, I had learned, oh, Peter DeLuise starts writing for this show. If this is any indication, I'm excited for his stuff because I don't know how much of my excited surprise you kept in last week. No, but... almost none, actually, because I like to leave uh, <laughs> That's fair. something for well, us to reveal. When I, when I read the summary for uh, this episode, last episode that we had, when I figured out which one we were covering, I was like, oh my god, yes! <laughs> because it's so funny, because this is not an episode where, like, if someone just said, hey, tell me about Stargate, I would never mention this episode. Yeah, no, it's only if you know Stargate that this episode but, like, works. the moment I remember it exists, I'm like, oh, this episode, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, but I'm I'm super excited. I was I was excited, and I loved Eloise. Eric came out at one point when I was watching the episode, and he and I got into a a wonderful forty five minute uh, conversation about comparing and contrasting uh, my favorite things about different directors in this show. It was hysterical, <laughs> and then I got into That's... a whole another tangent about Robert C. Cooper and all his stuff. It was a whole thing, nice. but it was all because of this episode because Eric came in and was watching it with me and was like, "Whoa." This is good. Yeah. There's some good people working on this show. <laughs> so yeah. So yeah, let's let's dive into it. So uh, we start with one of our regular openings on a planet. And it's definitely another one of those that was filmed somewhere up in the Vancouver wood wooded area. Oh, look, we're in Canada. Oh, <laughs> That's the one thing I didn't have up was the locations thing. Continue. I'll find it. Ah, oh, how dare you. Oh, I know. But, uh... Where we are right now is not in the woods, it's next to some woods, because we're in an excavation site where uh, Daniel's on a little uh, archaeology nerd date with Rothman, I guess, and he's with the archaeology team, which is SG-11. <laughs> Spoiler, they're going to have to replace all of SG-11, rip. <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty sure SG-11 just... So if your entire team is wiped out, do you get downgraded? Do you just become SG-12 at that point? I feel like that wouldn't work for this team because it's a very specific team. It was mostly just a stupid joke, but yeah. 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 <laughs> but, like, it's one of them where it's like, well, shit, we gotta hire a whole bunch more archaeology nerds. Like, and don't tell them what happened to the last ones. Don't tell them what happened to the last one, and uh, don't mention to them that it makes absolutely no sense that Daniel knows paleontology. Like, there's even a trivia note on here pointing out that people always assume that if you know one, that means you know the other. And it's like, dude, paleontology and archaeology are vastly different sciences. List. One of my notes is literally, hang on, where is it? Oh, it's it's in my first note. So he's on the study date with Rothman. They're excavating gold skeletons. And literally, in my first bullet point, I said, I love that this show basically decided that Daniel and Sam are smart enough to cover the entire realm of soft and hard sciences, respectively. <laughs> Since Daniel should not know anything about paleontology. Yeah. And it's just easily talking about oh look at the dorsal fin oh this is definitely a queen just <laughs> it's like it's fine for him to do the excavation he he is an archaeologist that's totally fine you're having an excavate bones 
right? Like they were already kind of pushing it with the um that one episode where Jack gets stranded on the planet and maybe knocks up a chick. There's a uh, that moment towards the beginning where Daniel's talking about like cave striations and shit like that, and we talked about how it's not outside the realm of reason that he'd be able to identify all the shit that he does, but they were already kind of pushing it with his character to begin yeah. with and this one this is the one where they officially yeah this is i mean this is reason the, the show just decides i i get it it's it's an easy out you've right. got two nerds on the main team one of them's a hard science one of them's a soft science you want to be able to have someone who can talk on it so i get it i get it but it's just funny because it's like why would you know anything about paleontology come on you're already a linguist, an archaeologist, and an anthropologist. You're not a paleontologist. Yeah, that's the too. thing. Get is the anthropology and paleontology are very different things. Yeah, exactly. They, it's just because they both have to do with the past doesn't mean anthropology is about the culture, not the yeah. biology. Well, I mostly meant like yeah. I shouldn't have said yeah. past, but like when I say the past, I mean like the history of like a tribe yeah. or something mm-hmm. like that kind of shit. Just because one can deal with the past and one most exclusive almost exclusively yeah. deals with the past well that's what's yeah, funny no. is that this episode is absolutely daniel's anthropology episode right but we so it's open with paleontology yeah. like, i hate to, i hate to tell you this guys but the shit he's talking about is are fossils and fossils are yeah. millions of years old the majority of civilizations that daniel is going to encounter are not going to be that old because once you hit that stage of time you're talking dust Mm-hmm. Like, there isn't going to be ruins left after millions of years. What would have made more sense is, fine, he's he's knee-deep in the excavation like Rothman. Fine. He's an archaeologist. He's going to know the safe ways to do this shit anyway. They really needed Rothman to lead the conversation on, like, the dorsal fin and the all that kind of stuff. It wasn't anything more than, you know, like, facial expression type shit. But they already had a, a kind of dust up between the two where uh, Daniel's trying to take notes and Rothman's doing his Rothman <laughs> yes! thing. Like the, you, you could have easily transformed that into a slight, not, not making it antagonistic or anything like that, but you could have transformed it into more of a dust up or a different kind yeah. of dust up where you have Daniel trying to take his like anthropology notes or whatever and, and then the Rothman throwing in his, pi- his, his paleontology yes. stuff to mess up Daniel's notes. You could have an almost identical scene, but slightly more accurate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it's it's a minor. But like I was mentioning earlier, there's a couple of moments of like, what the fuck, and that one's a really a really small one. And the other two or three that I can think of are still like, even though they're definitely larger, what the fucks, they're like this one where it's momentary. It's over yeah. as fast. It's as fast as you're noticing it. It's gone. It's already and gone. It's not causing any long term damage. Yeah. So the dust up you're mentioning is that um, Daniel's taking notes in his little his little handheld recorder. And he's talking, he's trying to get out the stuff about, like, that his theories about gold not always being parasitic, that they were clearly predatory at one point, all this stuff from the evidence of the the fossils. And while he's taking these notes, Rothman interrupts him to call it first Cleopatra, and Daniel's like, what? And he's like, I found it, I get to name it. And Daniel's like, fine. And as he's trying to continue taking the notes, Rothman's like, no, Cleo. And then I love that Daniel actually includes, he says, he calls it Cleo in his notes, but you can hear in his voice that he's judging Rothman so hard. Cleo, as so named by Dr. Robert Rothman. It's, it's so good. 
Uh, but yeah, so so he's recording the the notes on that. Um, they do a Nakwada testing on it and find that there's no trace amounts of Nakwada, um, which I assume lasts past the. Well, yeah, I guess it would because there's indications that there was something with the one skeleton that was found under the gate in the movie. Yeah. Plus, Way it's, um, when. I'm pretty sure, so this isn't, this is, this can't be certain because literally anything uttered in a fiction show yeah. has a grain of salt attached to it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and also, on top of that, anything established in the movie is up is, for yeah. debate mm -hmm. because they've already changed, they changed the spelling of O'Neill, so literally yes. anything is up for, for changing. That having been said, I'm pretty damn sure Nakwada is a mineral. So I'm pretty sure it would hold yeah, up over yeah, time. Yeah, because that's what that's what the uh, that's what Raw calls it. Of. Yeah, so that's what Raw fair. calls it too. At one point he goes, you know, you're, this is my mineral. This is the, oh yeah, they're mining. Yeah, it they're in mining the movie. my mineral. Yeah. yeah. Like, granted, we were only guessing that that was Nakoda because it's never stated as such. It's not until True. two seasons into well, this no, show that they even I mean, really start calling it that. But still, I'm pretty damn sure that is Nakoda, and I'm pretty damn sure it's a mineral. Yeah, it's almost certainly gotta be because of the fact that he was sending more through the gate to act as a conduction to make the explosion bigger. Catalyst. Cat yeah, I was like, what word am I looking what for? What is that word? Conductional <laughs> work. Yeah. He actually got it across. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so, so yeah, I, uh, I'm pretty sure that Nakwada would stick around for potentially millions of years because... Yeah, that's totally too. fair. I'd buy it. I do love uh, Daniel going, this must be significant, and Rothman goes, how? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, that was one of my first dialogue bits. Is this, uh, this is definitely significant. How? I have no idea. <laughs> See, that right there, that is, is accurate honestly, to a smart person. Pretty, yeah, exactly. Uh... But yeah, so there's no Nakoda levels in in the uh, fossil that they found. Which I swear to God is literally solely in this episode just so that they can get away with not being able to detect the presence of anything on this planet. <laughs> so that the various characters that can usually detect this shit are like, oh, I don't feel the presence. Well, that's definitely a plot tool. But considering the fact that... Um, the Nakwada is what's used to make the gates, which is an origin of the ancients. I think it's wildly believable that Nakwada is something that oh, was introduced I'm not saying it's not believable. I'm just thinking yeah, that they only absolutely. came up with it for this episode because of this episode. It makes sense, and as long as it works, I'm not complaining, but it cracked me up. I was like, oh, it's just so that literally everything that happens in this episode can happen. Here's the thing, though. If you had to do that, and episodes have definitely done that in the past, mm -hmm. if you're going to do it, doing it in a foundational kind of way is actually definitely better. I would, yep. I would, I would think yeah. so anyway, because mm -hmm. that means that it actually has the potential to be used and manipulated as part of the show versus something that's a one-off that may or may not get brought back. And honestly, whenever a one-off is brought back, you're usually having to shore up any mistakes that you weren't accounting for because you never expected it to come back. Pretty sure this plot device is never coming back because I know that Shaka only comes back for one episode. I, I think it's two, technically. Um, is it? Yeah, yeah. he gets referenced again. Yeah, it's the, it's, it's, it's much, he, much later. But, he's, it's, but he, he's referenced or does he come back? No, he's, he's back. He's back. He's with the oh, tribe. Oh, because yeah. I know he's back for one episode. Right, he's because part. he's literally the, the part one of it. I the other one he's not a big part in. The, but, but the point is, is that one-offs, if they get brought back, they're weak. Because they yeah. weren't meant to be there. <laughs> if you're going to do something that's 
may or may not end up being a one-off. I feel like doing it like this, happy accident or not, I feel like it's a better plan because it's foundational. Absolutely. Like when you make it a mm -hmm. biology piece, this is something that can come back later for another useful uh, episode premise if you need to get away with something not being sensed again, for example, or something like that. This is a nice way of doing it without making it uh, just too random and arbitrary. Yeah, I kind of get it. It's like a very specific sort of situation. Like, how often are you going to be uh, interacting with the primitive original versions of the global world again that right. don't have the Nakwita? I get it not coming up again. This is why these episodes are always kind of a dagger, is because they're double-sided. <laughs> because on the opposite end of that, it comes back to slice you a little when you think about it. You just introduced the concept of there being who knows how many primal stage go old on this planet and that's never brought up again as anything useful like come well, on you could study the shit out oh, of that absolutely now i know that yeah. would probably be violating a lot of geneva convention shit because it's literally carving into and experimenting yeah. on an intelligent creature but you know the u.s has already proven they don't give a fuck about alien rights because you know it's aliens and aliens don't have rights that kind of shit i could totally see mm -hmm. them doing that and i'm just realizing it's a little funny that that doesn't end up happening <laughs> but which is you know not like a weakness of the episode per they se never but it is that information to, yeah to there we Mayborn. go <laughs> it's a it's a weird little loophole that uh there's a bunch of fucking go old that are just not being studied or anything yeah. on this planet speaking of mayborn by the way apparently that must have been something that was uh, sacrificed in last episode because i was looking up the the actor and I accidentally clicked on his character thing and it said something something arrested after the events of watergate I'm not surprised. Right, it makes I was sense. Like, I, I was like, I don't know how he could possibly still work with them at this point. He went to the Russians with secret But I'm assuming there had to have been a scene or something at least acknowledging his arrest. You, would, you know they would have loved to have done that so that Jack could go, ha, into a well, smarmy little face. But we, we didn't know see anything like that. definitely shit got pulled out of that episode, so that was probably one of them. Yeah, so I just wanted to tell you about that because I was like, speaking of him. Yeah, I kind of had this theory that i'm like i'm sure he never comes back because how can you come back from i was sharing information with the russians yeah well like i mentioned last week they do his character a disservice because every uh, one yeah. of his appearances after this is but the good news is he's not in this one so yay yay um but yeah so we while he's taking the notes we cut away for a minute and we get like this show's version of predator vision of somebody from again green filter it's i mean again it's that 80s uh influence no i like how you write though literally uh, just just throw on a green filter and all of a sudden yeah. it's predator sense yeah so uh someone someone or something dun 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 mm -hmm. is watching from the woods and <laughs> rothman is experiencing a power high from being able to order the soldiers around <laughs> That's actually a neat little, not foreshadowing, but it's, it's a neat little, a little bit, yeah. thing. Like, a, I don't know, allusion or something to his fate. A little wink. <laughs> yeah, he literally tries to encourage Daniel to boss the other soldiers around. <laughs> He's like, here, take some of my water. Daniel's like, no, I'm good. I don't want a secondary kiss from you. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, I'll get him to get some more. I love ordering these soldiers around. <laughs> 
I, I maintain what the first episode of this show indicated, which is that there's some sort of, I don't know if it's like pheromone or hormone or whatever it is, but there's obviously some sort of detection-based system in the Goa'uld that allows them to pick a host that they like. Like, the fact that one <laughs> had to sniff out how many chicks before it picked, you know, Share. Right, yeah. So whatever that detection sense is for them, I maintain that it's literally like an always thing because if you notice the people that get possessed even when it's like a desperation kind of thing it tends to be people that would make good hosts so i well, think there is a degree of yeah, obviously there's always, there's always going to be random. for him yeah well there's I, a I, very pointed way that he's not a good host that we see in the episode which is hilarious yeah. and, but, in, uh, and if it were him and a million others i could see yeah, them not choosing him fair. but I, mm -hmm. I i feel like there's a reason why there's always a whiff of this <laughs> to a certain yeah. extent in these people. And I think it's because, obviously, you know, humans, maybe the reason why we're a more ideal host is because we're just rife with that kind of shit. So we blend mm -hmm. easier as a result. Like, we're better to take over for it. Uh, yeah. That's honestly a really cool concept if you, if you want to think of it that way. I just, I just like these little moments that kind of constantly reaffirm that there is some sort of selection process. Obviously, there's going to be examples of that not happening if there literally is no other choice. Like, you're literally the only host I can choose. But they tend to abandon those ones for better ones. Mm -hmm. So if you find one in one, in a dude, and staying there, it tends to be because something meshes on that visceral level i know i can think of examples where it doesn't work for example apophis he seemed like a really nice scribe but again yeah. we only know this guy for like 30 seconds so it could be that he's also a bit of a power you know was a power maniac yeah. like you know he got promoted to the top head scribe and all of a sudden he was ordering around all the interns like an asshole you know you never know <laughs> So i just love those moments it's totally yeah. me confirmation biasing but i really don't care it's fun whatever man that's part of this podcast is confirmation biasing yeah so rothman goes off to order one of the soldiers around uh and you could tell he's been doing this all week right as soon as he calls out to him this guy just gives the most exasperated look but he's clearly been told do what the nerds tell you because he still goes to respond yeah excellent point of directing there i think slash acting because obviously the actor has oh, yeah, to yeah. be good at their job because there's a really heavily uh, done trope. There's that thing where the guy in their, you know, the two guys in their 30s, the one who used to be the jock in high school and the one who used to be the nerd. Oh, yeah, And yeah. they're just like, uh -huh. oh, yes, how the tables have turned. This is a great way of showing it <laughs> without actually yeah. doing it. Because there's nothing to say that is what it is, but it does look like, you know, your Marine type and your Rothman type. And oh, Rothman, yeah, Rothman finally gets to be the... living out some power fantasies from his teenage years. Right? And it's just kind of funny. I can totally see that, the, I think it's Hawkins, the guy who, you know, is being um, ordered to get water. That look that I that I see on his face to me is literally him just going, Jesus Christ! I, they told me I'd pay for being a jock. <laughs> it's great, yeah. It it's followed uh, right away with another great little bit of uh, of actor directing where uh, when he walks off, Daniel calls another one of the soldiers. I think his, Who's name, his name literally is named Loader. At first, I thought the loader. subtitles were misspelling the word Loader because I thought they were talking about loading Same. I up. I thought he was saying like loaded thing. up, like Loader, but no, that's his name, Loader. My headcanon is totally that the guy's note was the loader helps the characters in the script and they just forgot and accidentally made that loader. the character sure, why not? I, I shit you not i swear it's like somebody went oh the guy's name's loader l-o-d-e-r and then everyone later is like no he's the 
whatever. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? It works. But yeah, so Daniel calls him over to help, you know, pack the, the stuff they found up, like safely pack it away and everything. And as he calls him over, he says, Mark this one down as Cleo, and uh, don't ask. I love, because Loader literally gives him an eyebrow raise immediately. Cleo. Like, <laughs> don't ask. Honestly, well, it's really funny to me that he bothers here. to have an opinion about that. <laughs> yeah, well, what I love, there's, there's two parts I love about this directing. A, the fact that, like, there's already a contrast between the interaction that uh, Rothman had with Hawkins as opposed to Loader and Daniel. Like, there's less i don't even know if i would call what's between rothman and and hawkins antagonism right it's more just a little bump yeah there's just it's just kind of like yeah hey can you do this thing for me you know there's there's less quote-unquote antagonism between them already between uh daniel and loader and then like the fact that as soon as he gets that that eyebrow he's like don't ask. Don't ask. I just love that it's this great contrast to the fact that, like, Daniel's already become, like, this middle ground between the nerds and the soldiers. Because he's been on the first contact team for long enough. The longer his sideburns that... grow, the better he gets at Yeah, the, the more chat he gets. <laughs> you know, I forgave it because he wore the bandana for a good amount of this episode, and uh, since he was clearly wearing contacts, and I will allow the episode this for this episode because he's out in the fucking field, it would make sense. Oh no, because there's like... literally a shot in the beginning he has them on, and when he gets attacked, they get knocked off his face. Oh! And then he gets oh, yeah. dragged off while he's okay. unconscious. So it actually, it's totally he Michael Shanks getting glasses. away without wearing his glasses oh, again. Yeah. But yeah, for once, enough. it actually, you're not wrong, it yeah. completely makes sense. It's just even better than you thought. Absolutely, I'll take it. That's great. But yeah, uh, his eyes were popping in this episode since he didn't have the glasses. His eyes are all, always gorgeous, but they you're uh-huh. not you're you are not Del kidding. Eloise knew how to light this man. <laughs> yeah, seriously, it was like dear God. But yeah, I I just love that contrast. That like he's already after being in a first contact team for this long, and in so many dangerous situations, like he's already a middle ground between the soldiers and the nerds, and I just like that. <laughs> My favorite thing about him was this was our real solid first step in, like, honestly, foot in the door uh, introduction to completely field of no fucks Daniel. Because the way he is talking to his friend throughout this episode is like, dude, you're really tired of being the damsel, aren't you? Yes. Literally. Okay. Liz. My next note is about, uh, my, literally, word for word, my next note. Daniel gets kidnapped because Chaka rightfully identifies him as the damsel in distress. <laughs> right? So uh, I'm calling him Chaka because in later episodes, this Unas that grabs Daniel will be referred to as Chaka. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because why not? One last note, though, on the loader guy. First off, it's really funny to me that he has an opinion. <laughs> to give about the name yeah, for Cleo. And that's just like, Cleo. okay, cool. Like, dude, come on. These are, like, seriously, you really give a shit about this? Maybe you're just that bored. Cool. The real thing that got me, though, was there's a line right before that where Rothman will name what I'm assuming are two other fossilized uh, gold they have found. Brutus. Yeah, Brutus and... and Julius. Yes. That way it makes sense that he named this one Cleopatra. Yeah. It, you know, it all comes together. But, dude, you've already heard him calling two others Brutus and Julius. <laughs> Cleopatra. Sorry, Cleo is where you draw the line. Maybe like... he's offended that he nicknamed it instead of calling it Cleopatra. Oh, there we go. Must be. He's a classics. 
<laughs> nerd. That's actually the truth. And the poor man's dead, so we can't find out about it. Because uh, in getting grabbed, uh, in Daniel getting grabbed, this man gets fucking... Yeah, because all uh, of a sudden, sudden Unos. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he gets dragged off. We get back. We go back to SGC, where they get a sudden dial-in from the planet that SG-11 was on. And from Sam and um, Jack, we get, oh, Daniel was with them. <laughs> so, uh, and then Rothman's the only one who comes through. And he's like, uh, hey, uh, um, so Daniel got grabbed, Loader got killed, the rest of the team went after him, uh, it was about three hours ago, help. <laughs> so, I have a fun little game for you. Yes. Thanks to the two things I've read in trivia for the two different pages I use, there mm -hmm. doesn't seem to be an official consensus on his exact time of possession. I think it was while they were camping near the lake. Thank you. Okay, cool. One says it's before he goes through the gate, and the other one says it's sometime in the night, if not the early morning. And I'm like, if he came, I honestly don't think it's before he came through the gate, because he seems too much like Rothman. And also, I'm, the only thing I could think is that if it was him being possessed first, it's because he wanted to bring more people back to also be possessed. Yeah, that's that didn't the only, really track as much as I was about to say, was like, because like, eh. why would he even come through? Right. But I'm like, well, if he maybe, knows to bring more people. Yeah, maybe. But on, in that case, wouldn't you think he'd be a little bit more obvious about... Um, also, <laughs> why would he insist on coming back with the team? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. So I'm pretty he, sure he was... He had to have been checked. Or unless maybe they were, maybe the Goa Old really don't like the uh, presence of the Unos, so maybe they were using this as a, hey, lucky, ac happy accident, now we have the ability to go exterminate these fuckers. Maybe they thought they could get some, pe that doesn't make sense either. Nothing makes no. sense, that's why I'm pretty sure he got possessed after I the fact. I think the fact that he was clearly experiencing an asthma attack from having run back to the gate alone... I don't think he was possessed. Well, some people might through. say that that was like really good acting, but then again, why would it be that good of an actor? Why would any of them I just yeah? So I'm pretty sure he got possessed later. I just I think that makes more sense to me. Yeah, I there the it just yeah I I don't I don't believe I think he got possessed at the at the lake. Yeah, which so that's my second question. Um, if they I know they haven't been going to the lake, but also why haven't they been going to the lake? How did it take three weeks for this to happen? I'm just, I find it funny well, that in all their explorations. The only thing I can assume is that there's another water source closer. Well, actually, no. They're, they're doing these excavations probably vaguely near the gate. Just literally just so a matter of distance? They, it's a primitive planet. They probably don't want to trust the local water. You don't know what kind of bacteria is in there, so they're probably importing well, all I, the I, water. I wasn't expecting them to be drinking the water. No, I, I didn't think they were using it. I mostly just meant, like, in their explorations, it's funny that they didn't go near the water oh, source. Yeah. Like, just in their travels, or let's say you're trying to dredge it because, you know, there's always... Like, if you're finding fossils in the in the, the oh, bank, I would totally look for lake. some yeah. underwater, because, like, riverbank shit, isn't that, like, where that shit goes? It's, like, with sediment layers and stuff? If I, yeah, if well, I remember right, I'm pretty sure someone told me out, once, like, that softer dirt is usually the way that went back then. I don't know. Um, I just find it funny. Like, and I know water sources yeah. move, so, like, where they're digging them up could have been, like, the old water source, and mm -hmm. therefore they didn't think to go to the new one because why would there be fossils in a new... I, there, there could be an explanation for it, and it may not be that much of a brain twister. I just find it mm -hmm. amusing that they've been here for yeah. three fucking weeks, which is almost a month. Yeah. 
and I mean, digging somehow. takes a while. Yeah, I I just I find it funny that in their perimeter marking that even the military types didn't get. I, I just yeah. Another reason I would say that Rothman was um, inhabited when they camp by the lake later is because we visibly see Hawkins acting a little um, spacey. And these are a more primitive version of the Gold, so I don't think they're as good at controlling. Right? That would that would totally make sense. Are. Yeah, I think I think um, later, I think his overemphasizing, like, why would I be a Gold? I think that's because they're not that good of actors because yeah. <laughs> he's over he's overdoing it because he's new yeah, to this shit. It, this is an unevolved. Well, it's a slightly evolved because it is parasitic at this point, but it's a much less evolved gold. So I don't, I don't think he was possessed when he came through. Also, why would he be near the water? Why would he have gone off to rescue he Daniel? Makes so no, he's fine. He makes. I totally doubt for him being possessed later because it, yeah, there's literally yeah. nothing to indicate that he would have gone to the water first. Maybe running that long after no, no, he's a scared little baby. He would have hid, waited for shit to go away, and then also, run through the gate like he did. To send one person through the gate to let SGC know about it. I I don't think he was possessed. My other question here is uh, the rest of SG-11, we never actually see what happens to them. So my headcanon is that they're, they're unfortunately possessed and also just left behind on this planet. Well, they're either possessed or they also got grabbed by Unas and or did they're not dead. friend them. <laughs> yeah, bad dead. Yeah, they got eaten by Unas. This isn't a critique because it's not necessary to know what happened to them. Yeah. You know their fates, while unclear, were dark. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's all you need to know. But my headcanon yep. is like, oops. That or it was Oops. jumping from body to body, and as they were realizing they were possessed, they were shooting each other, and it just kept going until one was left. Yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, so... Where am I? Oh yeah, so he comes through, lets SGC know that Daniel got grabbed, and he says that it was an Unos that grabbed him, and Jack is like, Jack is explaining to, I think, Hammond that oh it's it's basically a big gold with teeth and and claws and it looks like not necessarily daniel uh had thought that this might be the origin planet of the gold and that you know these unas might not be hosts because of it because they would have come from here so the good news is uh this does say once and for all that Whatever memory I'm having of a, of a of a swamp planet that was not there. This is this is not a swamp planet. This is clearly no. not swamp like. So that's nice. Uh, that's where the niceness ends because honestly, this is a lot of uh, guesswork I'm hearing from Teal'c, and I'm not entirely sure why he's throwing all this out there. Like he, that's just a lot of assumption, isn't it? It feels like I mean more assumption than well. No, I I I, I mean possible. I guess. It could have been likely. worded cleaner, yeah. but he's basically telling Jack no, because Jack is kind of, the way Jack talks about the Unas is like it's just a bigger version of a gold instead of being a host of a gold. So it, it definitely could have been stated more cleanly, but like, Teal'c is basically saying that's not like an evolved gold. those were hosts that migrated out from the planet so he's just saying that like not it's not necessarily a host i think it definitely could have been said cleaner but i think it it comes down to looking at 
Jack, what Jack gotcha. said first. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah, because the notes are specifying this is the introduction of the race of the Unas versus the yeah. hosts, the Unas. So, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense as that's what they were trying to uh, specify. Yeah, because it, it sounded more like he was, it, to me at first, what I was hearing was, no, it wouldn't be that. This is the first planet, so therefore starts guessing immediately about what they'd be. Like, I just, like, I, it was weird to me that he just started going off about them as if he knew. But then now yeah, that makes way yeah. more sense. It, it sounded weirdly anthropological from somebody who <laughs> hasn't really shown interest in that well, field. definitely sounded like he had been listening to daniel talking now, about that the planet actually and it's not breakfast. like he's unintelligent it's literally just not his yeah his go-to he's mm-hmm. so yeah i could totally see him being actually just a good friend listening to daniel and just reciting accordingly absolutely yeah that just tells me he does not respect anything coming out of jack's mouth considering how long it takes him to learn like <laughs> who you know, like uh lucy i'm home like the fact that he's always misunderstanding idioms tells me that he's primarily not listening to jack and is he intently knows that all jack says are idioms <laughs> uh but yeah so sg1 decide to suit up to go after him and clearly have taken the marines with them because that's the that's the rescue team is the marines oh on that, that was when Eric came out with me, and we were. Um, I was telling him like, "God, I love this episode." And he was like, "Why? What happened?" I'm like, "Dude, literally nothing, but it's amazing." Um, it's <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true because so you know how they they do this a lot, where you'll have the gate, whether or not the gate's actually in the shot isn't really relevant. It's you have SG one. Well, no, no, it's the SG one from profile. You'll see like oh, yeah, one, yeah. two, three. Four, like they'll, they'll come up as you know single, or they'll just be already lined up, and they'll just kind of like pan across their profiles as they're and like standing in a diagonal. diagonal. So you just get that. Yeah. yeah, I loved the um same but not feel of this one where he directly does that but differently because he's an awesome director. Where you have mm. the members of SG One already there, and then all of a sudden as it's going, it's bringing in one marine, two marine, three marine, yeah. all the marines. <laughs> I just really loved it's it. Good. It's a good bit of narrative directing because, like, obviously SG-1 is going to go save Daniel. That's not, like, no one's surprised by that. But just, like, it's just, like, this this moment of um, of Deloise De being like, ah, but they're being smart about it. They brought backup. <laughs> and then to cap it all off as the team, team the, the rescue team is about to go through, Rothman runs in, still putting on his vest, and he's like, when were you gonna tell me we were going through? And Jack's like, I, I wasn't. <laughs> Poor Rothman. He's such a good friend, and it gets him killed. I know. I love Rothman. <laughs> he was just worried about Daniel. Yeah, I just like how he's a good dude. Cause he made a point when he came through to tell them Daniel was still alive. It killed Loader, but it dragged Daniel off alive. He made a point of making sure they knew that Daniel could be saved but yeah i love that even when jack's like i wasn't gonna tell you he he looks he sounds a little sad when he's like oh but he doesn't leave and he keeps putting his vest on and he's like try and get me to leave <laughs> so i know there's a lot of arguments for why he's allowed to go anyway but that definitely gave me the indication that jack didn't want him to come with and it's funny to me that he allows this like it could, there's tons of arguments to support it, but yeah. it also he's could the be only said one who's that been through the gate exactly, and can tell them where to right? go. Um, not to mention the fact that let's say he wants to be a bitch about it because it sounds like he's also a civilian. 
um, let's say Jack says, no, you're not allowed to, or whatever, then you could totally see him not, you could, I could see Jack not wanting to waste the time to try to fight and make him stay. Just because he knows he he would win doesn't mean he wants to waste the time doing it. Yeah. So I guess there's tons of arguments supporting it, but it did, it yeah. did amuse me that he goes, I wasn't going to tell you, which clearly tells me that he wasn't going to bring this guy. And then the guy goes, okay, cool, I'm coming. And Jack just goes, okay. <laughs> it's just a little funny <laughs> he's just used to the civilian nerd like not listening to him so he's just used to it <laughs> daniel trained him well <laughs> not gonna say the joke that's in my head yeah I, I could see it in your face <laughs> it's okay so uh yeah they go through we cut to daniel being dragged along uh by chaka uh, and Daniel starts trying to communicate him, communicate with him by going, with your permission, I'm gonna fall down now. <laughs> God, I, every interaction is great. It's so good. Every it's interaction so good. is well directed. Every interaction is well acted. The dialogue in this episode so slays good. me. Absolutely. Yes. Like, I, uh, there's a line in a, in a Redwall book. That for some reason has always lived rent free in my head. It's not even important. It's literally just the moment like a stoat or a weasel or something gets killed. <laughs> he gets stabbed and he looks up at his friend who accidentally just friendly fired him and he goes, You've slain me, you fool. And then he falls. And for some reason that's always just lived with me. I get that kind of feel every time the dialogue is just that good. I just sit here going like, Oh my god, you've slain me. I can't handle this. And I want to write it all down, but I really, I, I, I can't. That's just not working. Don't yeah, worry, I wrote it all down. down. Seriously, I just, I, lo I love everything about it. I love rest. I love, I just yeah, want to talk to my friends so they can come save me and shoot you. <laughs> like, it's just a little... Everything that he says is another little tiny thing that just makes him more amazing. I just need oh, trust me, I wrote most to stop of it being down. so epic. I just need him to stop being so epic because I, nope. I don't... There isn't enough air in the world to allow me to speak all of the words that I want to about this guy. This episode took me twice as long to get through because I had to keep pausing just to laugh. Uh, but yeah, so he, he, he doesn't quite fall down. He does like a controlled, <laughs> a controlled fall to his knees. Yeah. Uh, and then he's just like, I'm, I'm not moving. <laughs> he's, he's already doing his, I look at my field of barren fucks. Uh, and he, he tries to be like, uh, yeah, I need to rest, you know, rest. It means, uh, rest. <laughs> and then, and then, and then Chaka goes, Err. and he's like, that's close. close, that's close. close. Try it again. Grest. <laughs> oh, him talking to Chaka in this episode gives me such vibes of him talking to the rank the SG one team in Mo uh, Moebius. Where am I? <laughs> My first thought was every time he said something to Chaka, Chaka, whatever. I kept thinking, is this how you talk to your infant? Almost certainly. Oh my god, yes. Like, all I could picture was him doing this shit to his kid, like, trying to feed it, you know? Like, every, like, every time it spits up food, and then, close, close. Okay, no, the Yes! <laughs> and I'm just going to call down your mother, because I hate you. Um, 
you know, shit like that. I could just see him being, and I mean it in the loving way, more like the Tony yes, Stark way, yes. like go to sleep or I'm going to sell all your toys. Yeah, yeah, That yeah. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I just, when he was talking to Shock, I got such weird dad vibes, but like tired toddler Fair, dad you know vibe. Yeah. Dad of a toddler, very go vibe. That's honestly pretty a pretty good uh, comparison. But yeah, so then he pulls out his radio and he's trying to be like, look, it's it's nothing to worry about. Look, I'm just I'm just gonna this is a radio. I'm gonna use it to call my friends so that they can find me and shoot you. Shoot you? I just I just love the dot dot dot. Shoot you. <laughs> this is why I said it's the foot in the door, because this is this is all Daniel is towards the end of the show. He he basically he's, exclusively he's tired, this tired, damsel. <laughs> done dude. Like he, I just love seeing the introduction fully here because it mm-hmm. reminded me so much of who he is later. Oh yeah, I always kind of forget how sweet he was in the beginning. Yeah, because that's fucking gone. By oh, the end. yeah, it is. It is burned away <laughs> with the fires of. I, don't I even love know bitter bitch Daniel. Okay. <laughs> I will miss his sweet moments. They're already almost kind of gone at this point. Yeah, uh, pretty the, much. Yeah, like <laughs> they make brief. I mean, there's some sweet moments yeah. in this episode. I was just about to say they do make they do make some brief appearances, like with him playing a game, you know, that kind of stuff. But again, it yeah. immediately transforms into who he is now because then he goes, "Oh no, look what happens in the fire." Yeah. <laughs> Like, literally, he has no problem burning what could be a child's toy. I know it's a new toy he just gave it, but still, he went, oh, look, new fun game. Oh, no, look what happened. <laughs> what a bitch. I love him. Right? Exactly. I just, he was, he's always been a bitch. Don't get, uh, don't get me wrong. It's not like, oh, I'm, yeah, yeah always. But it gets so much sharper and sharper over time. And that sweetness will, will eventually pretty much fade. Uh-huh, I'm going uh-huh. to miss it, but damn, do I love these introductions. Yes, absolutely. But yes, so uh, Chaka does not want Daniel to call his friends to shoot him and smacks the radio out of his hands. Okay, fine, radio bad. And, it, and he's like, look, do you, do you speak any kind of language? Is there some way I can like communicate with you? And as he's trying to do this, Chaka yanks him back to his feet, and Daniel's like, that was refreshing, thank you. I'm good, I'm for, good another for another ten, ten miles. miles. <laughs> I just really relate to that feeling of being absolutely fucking exhausted and still having the uh, still still finding it within myself to waste precious breath absolutely. on being sarcastic. I, I'm mostly just really happy that Peter Deloise understands who Daniel is at his core. Absolutely. He he knows. He knows exactly who Daniel is and I love it deeply. It's beautiful. So, uh we get a little bit of a time skip where uh, this time we see Chaka deciding to initiate a rest, and he, you know... Ten miles later. Yeah, ten miles later. <laughs> um, he makes him stop, he crouches down, and he starts clearly doing some sort of meditation. It's like this rhythmic breathing chanting Maybe it's like thing. Kel-Norim. Maybe that's where the gold got the idea when they were engineering Maybe. the Jaffa. I wouldn't be shocked. Dude, if that's a purposeful thing, then Deloise needs to be writing everything <laughs> the fact that he only writes 17 episodes between two shows is, is a honestly loss. a bit of a travesty i know it's because he mostly directs i understand it's because we're going yeah. to appreciate his talents in other ways that sounded wrong out loud <laughs> i know i'm not i don't have anything to lament here but watch me because 17 doesn't but feel watch like me. enough I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see with his 16 others if this holds up. But yeah, I really like the idea that that's a kind of like proto 
kill Noreem or something. Yeah, that makes that that was honestly my first my first thought too when he was I was, I was like oh it's their version of Kelnarim. <laughs> it would make sense because it seems to replace. I mean, actually, that's a lie because he does sleep later. I have no idea what the fuck it's there for, but the point is, is it works for something. Well, it serves I a purpose. I get the assumption it's some sort. I assumption. I get the inference that it's some sort of ritual thing because Dan like and, and Daniel maybe? even does this too because at first like. He somehow, from the grunting, gets the sound Shaka out of what uh, Chaka is doing. And for some reason, this is where I'm like, come on, Daniel. Although, I, I get where he does do this, because one of the first things you want to do when you're trying to initiate communication with someone who has a language you don't understand is to get their name. Because it's usually a pretty easy thing to do. You point at yourself, you say your name, you point at them. After a while, they kind of get the idea. Typically. In theory, I just, my thought there every time is, what happens if you get, like, a really diehard Nazi? Like, you'll be, like, pointing at yourself and going, <clears throat> Daniel, and the other person can point at themselves and be going, white. I just, I live for those moments that never happen on screen where communication takes three times as long as it should because of one idiot. Well, that definitely happened in the past with, like, naming places. Oh, yeah, of in course. In the U.S., with with the uh, with the white people being the stupid oh, ones. Oh yeah, no, like uh, there's a bunch that are like you know basically translate to river river or lake. Yeah, lake. exactly. <laughs> because the word they asked the they asked the natives what it was and they and said the oh the word for lake. They, yeah. they said oh it's it's the lake and they went ah oh, cool. Yeah, so it's lake lake. But yeah, so I uh, uh, no, 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 no. I live for those moments where the communication takes longer because this guy's going not what's your fucking name. Yeah. But, so the point of this is that like. I get where Daniel's coming from because that's the thing he wants to get is a name. It's the first point of communication. But the fact that he's seeing this guy clearly doing some sort of meditation and thinks that part of the meditation would be to repeat your name is wild to me. <laughs> no, I'm here for it. Dude, I want to adopt this meditation in my life. I just want to sit here for 20 minutes a day and just chant. List, 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 no, I think that would do wonders for me as a person. Uh, it's one of those affirmation techniques. There we go. This can only have positive impacts. Uh, but yeah, so so he tries to ask if that's his name, and Chaka kind of like gives him this look, like, "What the fuck are you on about?" And then he like looks up and he sees like the two moons in the sky that are clearly visible through a break in the trees, and he's like, "Oh, moon? Is it the moons?" And I like that, again, with the directing, not just with the directing, the suit acting. The suit acting in this is amazing. Because despite all of the fucking prosthetics, Shaka, you can tell what Shaka is thinking this entire episode. Fun fact on that, do you remember Nelson from the Rules of Engagement episode? Yeah, yeah, you told me that he was that's Shaka, him. right? But yeah, that, that just yeah. kudos to him. He's... He's awesome. He's excellent. So, um, what I what I think is remarkable about the suit acting um, is that as soon as Daniel points at the moon and repeats the Shaka thing, like, "Hey, is that is it the moon?" You can see clearly it's in this moment that Shaka realizes that Daniel is a sapient thing because he he understands that Daniel is trying to communicate with him. And I love it, because that's the first little boulder down the hill to the results of the end of this episode. 
My favorite part about it is the fact that while he's recognizing that, it uh, really emphasizes Daniel has at one point, you know, is making a note that the smaller horns indicate that maybe Shaka is a juvenile. Yes, he's juvenile. He's, this is a great he example of him offended. acting like a teenager because he's kind of like, no, yes. you dumbass. As soon as he, yeah, he says, he says uh, that he might be a juvenile or, or whatever. And as soon as he says the word juvenile, Shaka turns and looks at him and huffs. Like, he understood that juvenile. <laughs> Who the fuck are you calling a kid? Like, Daniel interprets it as, oh, you want me to shut up. But I still love him. So, he, he's, he, Chaka's got the first clues that, that Daniel might be sapient and be able to understand him a little bit. But he goes back to his meditation, because they don't, they didn't get that connection yet. This scene also had something fun for me. Uh, I was watching Chaka, when Chaka, I always say Chaka, Chaka when he was holding stuff, and I realized, to be fair, when he comes back, they just call him Chaka. Right, there we go. Um, it <laughs> sent me down a bit of a Wikipedia uh, hole, because I was, I had to, <laughs> I had to teach myself who has opposable thumbs and why species has opposed what would have opposable thumbs and basically just led me to convergent by um evolution which just is you know because it makes sense biology will go to shit that makes sense and over time grasping shit makes sense basically when i saw him holding something my first thought was wait aren't unos reptilian do do, do reptiles have opposable thumbs <laughs> i learned that yes it's totally thing it makes sense it was just a fun moment for me to confirm wait is that okay? Yeah, that, that that's a that's a thing. My favorite thing about it was I learned about uh carcinization, which apparently is that all crustaceans will eventually evolve into a crab. <laughs> apparently, it's the it, it for some reason it's the thing biology wants to do. So it's all crustaceans key, over time have or will be yeah, literally, body. like literally. Look it up. It's the weirdest thing. Crabs are the way. So all crustaceans at some point will be a crab. <laughs> But this is all because remember. of the stupid. I don't remember that meme cleanly oh. enough to make a joke. Oh, I didn't on even it. know it was a meme. So eh. it's oh, it's something about like peak performance. Ah. Like, it's a, it's it's a joke about like the the perfect looking man or whatever. Sure, yeah, it was just really funny for me because this all resulted from this one moment where I'm looking at Jaka going. Wait, he has opposable thumbs. Would would he have opposable thumbs? Can I even hold an alien from an alien planet to the same? measures as human biology on earth i i don't think so <laughs> um yeah so he goes back to the meditation and daniel pulls out his recorder and he starts taking notes because he's an anthropologist and he can't fucking help himself <laughs> sorry when you said recorder my first thought was him playing like hot he crust pulls buns. out his ocarina and he calls a pona but yeah, so he can't help himself. He has to start taking notes, field notes. I feel like it was half notes and half him realizing that this might be, like, he's, he's literally noting yeah, he might be dying. So this is him yeah. more, like, doing that, well, this is the I end. I think he starts <laughs> as, like, a note that hopefully his friends will find, but he can't fucking help himself, and it starts becoming field notes. <laughs> yeah, it definitely starts message in a bottle, but it does not stay that way. <laughs> Yeah, so he says, I met a wonderful new friend, and he's taking me on a journey to see his planet. <laughs> and then Chaka glares at him again, and he's like, I'm just making notes. <laughs> and then Haka does another, Chaka does a little, like, huh. And he's like, be quiet. Yeah, I got that. <laughs> and then resumes talking. Yes! <laughs> I love this Daniel. is when this Chaka is, realizes. Accurate. Chaka learns a lot quicker than Jack, honestly, that you can't actually make Daniel shut up. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, so Daniel does not shut up and keeps taking notes. And this is where he does the thing where he observes that he that Chaka might be a juvenile and gets a glare for it. And actually, this is where, after he glares at him about the juvenile thing and huffs at him again, Daniel goes, shut up. And then he gets another huff and he's like, I understood that. And then Chaka turns back to his meditation and Daniel finishes a note into the recorder where he's like, we're communicating. <laughs> I just like how he heard shut up, acknowledged it was a shut up, and then kept talking. Yeah! <laughs> but yeah, so, actually, I jumped ahead. Uh, this is where he starts getting the shaka out of it. Yeah, because at first he's just doing, like, a, what honestly looks like a Lamaze he's class. He's just doing a, yeah. <laughs> like, he's, he's trying to figure out the best pelvic floor breath pattern. Yeah. So, sorry, yeah. This is when the exchange of him thinking that shaka is his name, and then thinking it's a moon chant. Uh, and getting the part where Chuck is like, wait, he can understand me a little bit. Like, this is a thinking creature. <laughs> Which, fair enough, because the only living creatures we've seen on this planet so far are the Unas and the Gold. So, like, it's fair for him to be surprised that Daniel is trying to communicate with him. Plus, I feel, I feel like anybody would be surprised if their food started talking. Right? Yeah. So... Yeah, because Daniel theorizes he's dinner being brought home. And, but like, so he clearly gets a little bit of a foot in the door with communication, but it's clearly not quite the right angle, or Chuck is just a little weirded out that his food is talking to him because he, he turns away from him after a bit. And then Daniel goes, Moonshant, what was I thinking? I don't know, Daniel, it's more realistic than Shaka being his name. <laughs> I love his, he does a lot of that, like, looking at himself and going, ah, you idiot, <laughs> throughout the episode, and it's just like, I well, can't decide Jack's if he's doing it for himself. For him. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I couldn't decide if he was doing it for himself, or, like, as a translation bit for him, like, uh, uh, to himself himself, like, deep down himself, or if he's, like, more, like, noting out loud to himself the translation mm -hmm. of what he thinks the dude is saying to him. Uh, either way, it's funny. Yes, it is. Uh, so we see the UAV that uh, SGC sent through before them, uh, which when when the team came through, they Sam told Jack that it was being sent on like a regular scouting pattern. Something they should do every all the time. time. <laughs> anyway, you should have a land one, the rover style one, and an aerial one for two very different types of scouting patterns. Absolutely. Like, just general topography makes sense. Like, just, you, you send your people into unknown zones on a regular basis for no reason. For literally no reason other than plot, I guess. <laughs> I mean, if you want to tell me it's because it's expensive, I bring you back to the, yeah, so is this whole fucking program. I mean, Yeah, they talked about me. how expensive it was just to keep the lights yeah, on. Yeah, like, what's <laughs> another six or seven million in the bucket? Seriously, what is another six or seven million in the bucket in this mm -hmm. huge multi-million, if not billion-dollar project that's taking place in fucking NORAD? I mean, yep. come on. The hiring process alone for this place must be a six-figure-plus Especially problem. when they have to replace their entire archaeology team. <laughs> On a regular basis. Not to mention a whole SG team right now. Like, seriously, the vetting process must be... All the man-hours required. That's expensive. This place is expensive. So don't give me that bullshit. Oh, no, it's yeah. not in the budget. Give me a fucking aerial recon every goddamn mission. Because otherwise, you're sending people into death 
all the time for shiggles. <laughs> yep. But yeah, so so the UAV flies overhead and uh, Chaka freaks out and um, Daniel tries to, you know, calm him down. Oh, like, I love hey, him you know, soothing. Yes. It's great. He's like, honey, it's not going to hurt you. It's it's just my friends looking for me. It's not going to hurt you. Which is like, this is wild considering 10 minutes ago you were saying you were calling your friends here to shoot him. But <laughs> we used to hunt, well, not maybe we didn't, I don't, okay, I don't know if ancient people hunted wolves so much as just ran away from wolves. Um, I feel like they probably hunted easier prey than yeah. wolves. Uh, but, you know, at one point we were not on friendly basis with wolves, but we mm -hmm. found them cute eventually <laughs> and made them into our friends. So, you know, it's like that. You know, one moment you want to shoot it, the next moment you want to make it your puppy. Absolutely. It's like that one that one movie we saw. The, yeah, uh... yeah I suppose that's literally what I was thinking of. Yeah. Um, Alpha? Alpha, Alpha. Alpha, Alpha, yeah. Alpha. Um, but yeah, that, that's what I was thinking of, as, too. Was, I'm pretty sure that we didn't like wolves, but then eventually found them cute. So I could totally see that uh, Daniel's, like, fair enough, <laughs> scared yeah. of the Unasa or wanting to shoot it because he's tired of being, you know, kidnapped. And then eventually he's yeah. like, <laughs> now that he's been allowed to take a breath and take some notes, he's back to his old self. And so now all of a sudden he's interested in making a connection versus just shoot it. Aw. So, yeah. Daniel sues him about the UAV, and then it's time to walk again. And this time, as they're walking, they walk past some water, and Daniel indicates to him, like, hey, I, I, I want some water, please, water. And there's another one of those pauses where, where Chuck is like, wait, he can communicate. And then he's like, okay, fine, here's, a, here's some water. And Daniel just goes to, like, stick his whole face in the water, <laughs> and Chaka yanks him back up, and I... What's so great about this is very much in like so you know how there's the whole thing about how dogs can tell we're a different species, but cats think we're really dumb hairless babies. kittens, yeah, that can't yeah fend for themselves. This is a moment where it definitely feels like it's Chaka teaching a child the safe way to interact with water. Yeah. Because he very visibly shows him use your hands to scoop water up. Do not stick your face in the water. And I love that. And Daniel should have been paying more attention to that, but I also don't blame him for not jumping to a conclusion because it could just be like Chaka thinking he's a dumb baby and not realizing you can use your hands to scoop up water. <laughs> Real quick on that, though, when he's yeah. using his hands, um, something else I noted earlier uh, was, once again, great job um, with the continuity. It's already established now a with a couple of visuals that he has blood on his hand, something that's going to come into play later. Oh, I didn't even see that. Yeah, he's got the streaks of his oh, green yeah, blood he... on his hands. Okay. It must just have been like from that the note. loader shooting him. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Yeah, that's that's the bullet that gets pulled out of his hand later by Daniel. Oh, okay. It looked like a pebble because it was covered in green Yeah, goo, no, so it's from when he was charging loader. Yeah, he no, or, yeah, yeah. That's fair. Yeah, he gets shot, and that's the wound that later, that's that's the Androcles uh, story, is him pulling the thorn yeah. from the lion's paw. So. Oh, yeah, I knew about the the thorn thing yeah, yeah so it's just really i just i just really liked the uh, continuity the fact that i had seen it earlier like the whole scene that had sent me down the rabbit hole when i saw him grasping like what looked like i think the the leash or something i was watching him do a grasping motion with his green streaked hand oh, and i was like oh okay. yeah cool wait why is he grabbing it so i immediately forgot why he had bright green shit on his hand and immediately mm. went down the rabbit hole and it took me until a couple of scenes later to finally start piecing it together nice yeah i just wanted to point it out it was a 
a nice touch. So he shows him to scoop the water up, and Daniel's like, okay, well, you're holding the leash of my hands. I can't really... But he's doing that just with gestures, like, hey, uh... And Shaka gives him a suspicious look, but then drops the leash. And actually, like, turns away. He's clearly, like, keeping a lookout, but he turns his head slightly away from Daniel, which Daniel... First, he does take the time to wash his face off. Then he looks, sees that Shaka's not staring directly at him, and just fucking runs off. <laughs> so this is another moment of great directing, and not to mention acting. Um, it's obviously in a in a very shallow place too. I'm pissed. My filming locations website does not have a a, a location on site. I am oh, betrayed. No. I'm assuming it has to be like similar to that area where they filmed uh, that like that really rocky beach that's been featured in apparently like every show ever that's filmed in Canada. Yeah, it's right mm-hmm. next to a major road, so it's like easy to get to and everything. I'm thinking it has to be somewhere around there because of the yeah, water. Probably. But that being said, even if it's on a soundstage, it looks like it's fake deep where he's waiting. Like I think it's clearly that he's you know he's safe and not you know near drowning at any point really. Mm-hmm. Having said that, uh, I really love the dedication they have there, where they have like a prolonged scene where he's clearly under, like, trying to like, you know, uh, get himself across the river creek thing as he's struggling to swim with bound hands. On the other side, waiting for him. I love that. (laughs) I just, I just really loved the dedication to that, where they actually had a pretty long-ish, you know, again for an episode. scene of just the actor trying to swim and not doing a great job because you know his hands are underwater yeah but yeah so so daniel runs away from him runs into the water and you definitely see chaka hesitate at the water's edge and then daniel keeps going through the water and then you see him because it's shot from like his front so you see behind him where chaka is no longer there because he ran off off camera and then as Daniel reaches the other end of the water, the camera turns and you see that Shock is just waiting for him on the other side of the water. Like, bitch, it's a pond. Yes! And Daniel's like, ah, well. <laughs> uh, real quick, though, I have to say, I love the really quick foreshadowing uh, right before what's about to happen happens. Because when Daniel's going down to drink, Shaka's like, fuck no. Because as yeah. we know, Goa'uld can enter through the mouth. So that's something mm-hmm. that the Unas have learned through tri- through trial and error. That you don't drink directly from the water source if you don't want to get possessed. Yeah, that's where I was like, Daniel, you should have used that as a sign. But then at the other hand, it could have just been, you're a stupid child, here's how you really right. drink. <laughs> yeah, like, come on, man, you're gonna, you're gonna fall in or something. It could have been yeah, a lot of things. Yeah, that was absolutely Chaka warning him right? about But I just the... really liked that, you know, even though the reveal is, like, literally in just a couple of seconds, it's a cool little fore- yeah. foreshadow. It's very, it's very nice. And I, it, it shows that it's a director who wrote this episode because it's, there's a, so much that's told through actions instead of words. Even though the dialogue in this episode is fucking great. <laughs> But yeah, so Daniel finally just goes, like, oh shit, yeah, you're, you're just waiting for me, great. <laughs> and then as he's, like, making for the other side again, that's when he, he sees, sees the ripple. This, the shrieking eels the sh- come after Thank him. you, okay. Not- <laughs> Literally, I was thinking the same thing. Do, Do you, you hear, hear that, that your sound? Highness? Those, <laughs> Those are, are the, the shrieking eels. <laughs> Daniel is Princess Buttercup, come on. Princess Buttercup has discovered the shrieking eels. And one of them starts to swim at him, and he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, you can see him going, oh, 
this is why you didn't go in the water after me. He starts to run to the, the dry land to be next to Chaka. Uh, but that's not gonna save him because these fucking things jump. <laughs> I know the other ones jump, but these ones are like dedicated dive jumpers. <laughs> I know there are fish that can do this, so I'm not mad about it. It's wild how great they are in But jumping. it's kind <laughs> of like every time you see a, a person, I know it's not the same because it's a, a mammal versus a fishy thing, um, mm -hmm. but it's like every time you see a dude burst out of the water or like um, that guy in the third uh, Hobbit movie who was under the ice and all of a sudden he bursts through the ice. It's like, with what propulsion? <laughs> kind of like that. I, I, every time I see a scene like this, I'm like, okay, okay I, I understand you're telling me these things evolved in the water and, and, and I, I know there's fish that can do this sort of thing. I'm mostly thinking yeah. of those flying ones that are like in the Pacific Ocean. The gliders. Hawaii. Yeah, Hawaii-ish, I think. So yeah, I, I, know it's, it's, I know it's totally feasible, but damn, with what propulsion do they go with no, this distance right. and velocity? You ain't wrong. This was highly, this is obviously just meant to indicate it's a highly evolved predator. Absolutely. But yeah, it jumps out of the water at Daniel, and Shaka just fucking grabs it out of the air like a badass, just hua, <laughs> and then just tears it in half. <laughs> I just saw the new Dune, so that mimics a scene I literally just saw with him grabbing this uh, hunter-seeker thing out of the air, yeah. and I was just like, oh yeah, I love that shit. Even if I hadn't just seen that, I always love that. That's a cliche I'm never tired of. It just Oh, it's great. And it also, I buy it entirely because Chaka lives on this planet and has to deal with this right. predator. Right. They're all probably trained to grab these things out of the water. Yeah, so he, he tears it in half and then smears its green blood on Daniel's uh, blue. face. Blue. It's blue. His, green, oh, his blue, blood sorry. is green. There's, there's his blue. Yeah, it's supposed sorry, to be I was significant, mixing those apparently. two colors up. Yeah, it's, it's uh, like a turquoise blue. Um, it's disgusting. He just smears it on Daniel's face. And then he's like, uh, he says, Keka. And Daniel's like, is Keka dead? <laughs> Danger. And then bad. <laughs> bad. And then he figures out that ka means no. And then he promises not to run away again. Like, fine. I yeah, I get it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, ka. Okay. <laughs> I love his use of ka throughout this episode. Yeah, ka. It's so good because it's such a toddler. <laughs> right? I just ka. He learned no, and now that's his favorite word. Yeah. So, uh, we cut to the rescue team for a little bit here, where they have found, um, they have found Loader, and I love that fucking Teal, from like 10 feet away, Thank you. has the nerve to be Thank like, this you. man was clearly, clearly killed, killed with, someone, great by force. with great strength, and I'm like, what? Because you're 10 feet away! Based on what fucking evidence? Like... <gasps> Is there a splinter oh. tree? Is there something to indicate this? No, is it just a dude on the ground? Okay. The only, the only excuse he has, and it is a thin one, it is not a good excuse, but the only excuse he has is the fact that there's no evidence of weapons. So going with that, they establish that, and then Deloise does in a moment have a scene indicating, um, not indicating, with the uh, new general's dude, whatever. Major, yeah. but apparently they keep calling him Sergeant. It's a goof I saw. Uh -huh. But he has a bunch of casings in his hand, and then he points out that they got off a lot of shots. But prior to that note, maybe you're right. Maybe that's what they were going for, was they were trying to show, uh, Deloise was trying to show the lack of 
weapons the lack present of weapons to on Teal'c. Unas's side. Yeah, yeah. to Teal'c. I, I, I that, that, that honestly does actually take away a lot of the sting because that's not bad. It's considering still how I'm remembering that he the said casing this from thing. Ten fucking feet away. Yeah, like, it's, at least that's be still closer bullshit, to the body. Yeah, no, but <laughs> that that was that that's a that something went wrong there. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely like a, a framing issue. Uh, Maybe an editing problem. Like maybe it was supposed to be cut with him when he was closer to the yeah, body. Maybe, or something. maybe that. Yeah, that that could track because I was a lot more angry with it. But you're right. Now that I remember, there is a scene afterwards where the major that they keep calling sergeant <laughs> has all the casings in his hand, and he says, "Yeah, they go off a lot of shots." Yeah, that could be Delawise trying to specify two distinct viewpoints. Fine. Yeah. That's actually not bad. Still though, <laughs> still though, the distance thing bugs me. No, yeah, absolutely. And this is and and while he's doing this amazing Sherlock Holmes ten feet away work, uh <laughs> Jack is like, Were you doing anything that like provoked it or might have provoked it to attack? And Rothman's like, No, we were doing the same shit we've been doing for three weeks straight. We didn't do anything different. And Jack's like, What fucking use are you then? <laughs> I looked for this, by the way. Um, yeah. Speaking of guns, uh, this is the introduction of the P90s to the show. Oh, yeah. Fun fact. On that fun fact, <laughs> Eric and I were watching Westworld years ago, season one, and at, in the season finale, as they, uh, they're making their way through the compound, <laughs> they're holding guns, and Eric goes, oh, yeah, do you know what those are called? And I went, yeah, P90s. They slow turns on me. He's like, what the f- how the how the fuck do you know that? And I went, oh, because Major Shepard uses them in SGA. He went, ah, and now it makes sense. And he turned back go. to it. And as I That's mentioned in a previous, I think I've told the story before on here, but as I've mentioned in a previous trivia note, the P90 is a favorite in science, in science fiction because it looks kind of futuristic. It looks kind of alien-y and mm -hmm. different with its like curved top and everything. And it, yeah, it maintains throughout SGA. I actually don't remember if they use them in SGU. Huh. I don't know, lot to see. But but yeah, this is the episode that introduces it. And a goof says that apparently in the beginning that so apparently their bullets are their casing sorry, their uh, magazines are like translucent or something. So apparently there's a goof that in the beginning they're holding P nineties that have nothing in them. Their magazines are empty. You can see that they're empty. <laughs> and then later all of a sudden they're magically loaded. Uh but I, I couldn't see it. It just shows I know nothing about guns. I just wanted to point out that trivia. Yeah, that's great. That's funny. Yeah, I love that he's like, what? It's like, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it. So, Teal'c, the tracker man, is like, don't worry. I can track these Unas prints. <laughs> Which it's not like it's a new ability. They've no, shown him tracking No, I'm not mad before. about it. I'm not mad about it at all. I, I don't know why I don't like the delivery. I guess it just feels... I, I don't know. I, I yeah. I am. Um, Teal'c is wildly confident this entire episode. Yeah, maybe that's funny. it. It's just this weird theme he has where he doesn't really. I guess actually, maybe this is just weaker Teal writing. Just he doesn't really act he's like in himself an 80s as much. Action movie. Yeah, because he just he's always literal. He's always matter of fact. He always talks like Worf. I'm not. I'm not mad about that. That that's Teal'c. This one though, he's almost like robotic. It's just he feels more like he's uh, Schwarzeneggering it than. <laughs> More yeah, things. I think I see. That's the thing. I think it's a a. Pointed, oh, I guess yeah. I guess that uh, falls with the '80s. I just don't know why. Yeah. I guess I question the necessity of it. It just doesn't. Its presence isn't unwelcome, but it is something I can't stop focusing on. How about that? That's fair. 
Yeah, I think it was just like a call out to the, yeah, no, the now genre that I said, of this episode. I, I, as soon as I said Schwarzenegger, I was like, oh shit, never mind. You did mention the 80s thing. Yeah, I guess that would track. He's doing like a Terminator or something. I don't know. Or a Predator. Predator, yeah. The, the get to the chopper. Um, you know, yeah. who knows? I, uh, I, I could support that. That could actually explain it. Uh, either way, it's odd. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he says they can track it. Um, one of the Marines pulls Hawkins out of the woods, who's acting a bit spacey, and he doesn't seem to realize how long it's been. Oh, since maybe this is the guy who's a major. They keep calling sergeant. One of them is. I don't know. Anyway, continue. Uh, he doesn't seem to realize how long it's been since they've been attacked. He's definitely out of it. He eventually seems to come to the conclusion, oh, my team are dead, like, aren't they? Uh, Spoiler, he's a gold, and I think this is the clearest indication that the gold on this planet are not great at acting. I mean, that would make sense. These are their first humans. Yeah, they're the primitive One would assume. Mm -hmm. I didn't even think about the fact that they just wouldn't be used to pretending to be... Yeah, a human. Like I, I don't think they need the to less, pretend anything when they evolved. capture a Nunos. Yeah. It's ooh, I now I have limbs. Let's use them. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, uh, they they find Hawkins. They journey out a little bit more. Um, they're taking Hawkins Hawkins with them for now because they can't really afford to go back to the gate when they're barely started on their um on the rescue mission so so far and hawkins seems to be okay to come with like he he's got all his limbs he can move he's just a little spacey and confused he looks uh shell-shocked for lack of a better yeah shell-shocked and they have to camp down near some water um it's definitely the same fucking body of water that they filmed the daniel and shaka thing at (laughs) absolutely it might not be the same place in the narrative, but it's absolutely the same place. That I'm pretty scene, like, sure it's Daniel. meant to be that Teal tracked the footprints to this body of water. Yeah, that, so. I buy that. Oh yeah, because we do see a smear of a footprint when they stop there. So yeah, actually, that's exactly where they stopped. But obviously, Daniel and Chaka are no longer there. Uh, they camp down at the water, and we find out where Chaka and Daniel actually are is a little cave. And Daniel, <laughs> Chaka takes him there to cook the gold that he killed. And he's just cooking it over a fire, and Daniel's kind of looking around, and he's like, this your cave? It's nice. <laughs> and then Chaka, like, hands half of the cooked gold to him, and says, ka. And Daniel's, oh, wait, no, he doesn't, no, he, what is it? Non. What is it? Um, non. Non, sorry. Yeah, exactly. I, I kept thinking it was non-bread. Yeah, I kept thinking it was non-bread. That's exactly what I thought with non was non-bread, but for some reason I did not write down what the word for food was. But he said he says non and keeps shoving it at Daniel, and at first Daniel's like, oh, is that what gold larva? And he makes, like, the little slithering sound of it. <laughs> How is it that Michael Shanks can make those noises really well, but he can't do accents to save his fucking life? My favorite thing about that is in a moment he's going to do an even more direct call-out to it, but I love the call-outs in the movie where he was imitating the chicken. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love it. It's great. It's lovely. I love it. But yeah, so he, he does that, and the, the chocolate like, gives him this look, and then like says not again, and then clearly takes a bite out of his piece. And then he's like, oh, non, non means food. And he's like, oh, um, mm, ka. <laughs> he's like, I don't want to eat gold. No, thank you. 
So he throws it back at him and says, Ka. And then Chaka throws it back at him. And then Daniel has turned into a toddler and just keeps saying Ka every time he throws it back at him. I love and how they like, have a different Ka. inflection every time. Ka. Ka. <laughs> Ka. I love this one. There's one elongated one that kills me. Yes. I think that's about, I think the elongated one happens right about when Chaka starts to have fun with it. <laughs> so at first they're arguing, but then Chaka starts having fun and it literally becomes like Toss. And Daniel figures out that it's Toss as well. Like Chaka's like actually delighted, like visibly delighted. It's so fucking cute. He's like, yeah, Daniel Toss the symbiote head. on his dreams and throws the head into the I just, I love his narration. He's like, oh, oh no, it's in the fire now. <laughs> I love his narration. Ah, yes, the uh, Toss the Symbiote head game. Yes, we always love playing this as children. Oh no, what happened? It's in the fire. Oh no. <laughs> I, I love it so much. It's... <laughs> but yeah, so he throws the head in the fire, um, and then he pulls out his own little, like, MRE bar. It's definitely some sort of chocolate um, power bar thing power bar kind of thing looks like a brownie but <laughs> so he pulls it out and he unwraps it and he's like this is not <laughs> and then Chaka like gives him this look and he's like now don't say ka till you've tried it <laughs> and this is absolutely the chunk and sloth moment from goonies when when chunk gives sloth uh a uh, baby ruth because Daniel takes a bite, he makes a big show about how yummy it is, goes, mmm, and then he hands it over to Chaka, and Chaka tries some, and Chaka's like, whoa! <laughs> and then, but what's even cuter is that Chaka tries to imitate the mmm sound. <laughs> and Daniel's like, oh yes, mm-hmm, and then he's like, you know, it's funny, I met my father-in-law like this. <laughs> And this is the moment where my I literally just wrote a note where I'm like, "Hey, hi, I love this. I love this freaking up." <laughs> I just had to say it. I'm like, I love this episode so much. <laughs> uh, so we cut back to the rescue team, and um, they're all bunking down. Um, most of them seem to be sleeping or about to sleep. And Jack actually like kind of like quietly whispers to uh, Rothman, like, "Hey." Is Hawkins acting a little odd? And Rothman's like, what? What do you ask? Like, what do you mean? He's like, you know, like, off, different from usual. He's like, I don't, I don't know. He's a fucking soldier. What, what do you, I don't know people. <laughs> I can't, I can't do, I can't do anything. I, I, I'm not good at that. I can't tell you. So my personal belief is this is like the last moment for him, really. Uh, I think oh yeah, this is the last this, actual Because Rothman. after this then is when we see sleep. the Flash. I think mm -hmm. the Flash is also indicative of the guy plotting something. So I'm guessing at oh, this yeah. point he got up after everyone went to sleep, went and went back to the water, Rothman. grabbed one of his buddies, and brought it back to take over Rothman. I'd buy it. I'd buy it entirely. Because he obviously overheard them. So I'm guessing he's like, well, yeah. shit, they're on to me. Time to get another better sleeper back agent. Back up. Get back up. Yeah. That's that's my general theory. Yeah. So yeah, we cut after 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 um, Rothman can't help it all. Uh, we pan over to Hawkins and we see that he was he was faking sleeping and he opens his eyes and you get a very brief flash of his eyes, um, kind of like a flashlight where the connection isn't quite, you know, where, when it's not screwed in all the way and the the metal isn't connecting regularly with the battery. You gotta give it a good old shake. Yeah. So 
we go back to Daniel recording in the cave again, and he's taught he's he's walking around the cave and looking at the art and taught the cave art. And I love how he's like they're 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 clearly showing like a comprehension of like you know showing a narrative. And then he also compliments their color blending. I love that. So cute. He observes that the bone necklace that he thought was like ceremonial or 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 ritual or some sort of you know ceremonial uh is probably a defense mechanism against the gold uh that because this tribe clearly knows about the gold knows to be wary of them so it was probably something that they developed as armor yeah that's what actually up, up until now that's what i thought he meant by blending i thought he was saying that the uh drawings are drawings of the blending oh that might have been what he was saying but it really did feel because like he pauses at like one picture where you see like two different shades and it really did feel like he was complimenting their art structure. I don't know. Either way. No matter what, he's indicating that the uh, Unas clearly have connected some dots. Yeah. And he, from the cave paintings, he assumes that he is some sort of um, rite of passage, like uh, tribesmen, uh, young tribesmen having to hunt lions to, you know, become yeah, adults. Yeah, I think he mentions the Maasai tribe, if I'm remembering. Yeah, I didn't write down the tribe, so I'll, I'll believe you. <laughs> While he's doing these observations, Chaka comes up to him, cuts a thin cut in his cheek with one claw, and draws, um, using the blood, a line um, on the wall next to a previous drawing of an Unas, and then continues to add to that picture, and then you see the Unas is now dragging a body behind him, and Daniel does a really dramatic scene break to commercial, definitely, where he's like, I think I've just been marked for death. <laughs> dun dun dun! Yeah, it was absolutely a commercial break. <laughs> There's no fucking way. He would have come to, he would have come in like, this has to be a commercial break. What, it can't just be a scene cut? No, it has to be a fucking commercial break. <laughs> uh, so we cut back to the camp where it's uh, morning and Teal'c is standing at the water. And it. this is why I'm like, this is definitely done on purpose. Because he's such a fucking casual badass in this moment. Where he, like, he definitely senses something from the water. Like, not quite movement, because we don't see the movement in the water yet. But, you know... And But he doesn't turn to, like, look at the water. He keeps his back to it and then just casually shoots a leaping gold larva over his shoulder with the staff weapon. Teal'c's job in this episode is to be Schwarzenegger. Yeah, no, he is not subtle in the slightest. I'm, I'm mad at myself for not connecting those dots. Because, uh, yeah, he it's was not trying to be subtle. Shot. And I even have a note oh on it God. where I'm like, dear god i why like this is like when somebody turns their gun sideways it's like are you trying to prove a point or something yes he is <laughs> and for whom there's no one there i love that it. it's delightful <laughs> um so after he shoots the gold the rest of the team come up and he's like hey all of you stay back they're like, what, what are you talking about? He's like, any one of you could be infected, apparently. Because when he shoots the gold, it falls back into the water, which is like chumming. It's like a whole bunch of larvae come up and suddenly the water is rife with them because they're eating their own brethren. I'm guessing this is more like when you slapped a bull, now it's alert. I'm guessing it's more like that because earlier when Daniel was fully submerged in it, 
we had one loner coming after him, but now we see what looks like a piranha fest of them, and I just find it funny. Maybe it's because he was, maybe, maybe he was running through it during their nap time. Well, I was thinking it was more like he alerted them. Oh, yeah. Maybe they were doing some sort of hibernation and he woke them all up. Yeah, like, one went looking and didn't come back, so they were like, well, fuck. He was the scout. <laughs> yeah, and now they're like, there must be more movement, and so now they're prepared. Yes. Yeah, so Teal'c says, like, we camped next to this water, we were asleep near this water, any one of you could be affected, infected, and Sam's like, but I don't sense anything. And he's like, yeah, because you could also be infected. Or, um, that's when Rothman brings up that there's the lack of knockout. Yeah, this is when Rothman's like, well, I mean... We did find that there are no Nakwita traces on the the fossils. See, this here, feels so. like he's not wrong, but I do. This does feel like more desperate. So this is why I'm definitely of the opinion that he's been possessed True, overnight. Yeah. This is when he <gasps> yes, starts getting all like excusey and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, I buy it. So Teal'c tells the team to remove all their weapons, and he's going to zip tie them all up, and he's going to have to go get. Daniel on his own because he's the only one who's safe because he's got the larva in him so he cannot be and um the 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 lead marine guy's like well how do we know you're not infected and Sam's like he's got the larva in him already he can't be taken over like that um but he gets them all to throw their weapons down and he's gonna tie him up and and I like that that Jack's like can you handle rescuing Daniel on your own? And again, 80s action star Teal, because like, yes, just very casual. Like, yeah, I can absolutely save him against how many untold enemies all alone. I can absolutely do that. Don't worry. But it's all a trick. Because as he's tying Jack up, Jack is like, hey, you know, I think Hawkins is the one that is a gold. He's been acting weird since we found him. And then Jack, uh, and Teal very quietly just says, trust in me, O'Neal. And then Jack goes, what if I'm not O'Neal? And Teal, without missing a beat, goes, then I was not talking to you. Which is so good. <laughs> I love that shit. So good. But uh, he reveals um, that clearly what the plan was, was, because as he was doing, pulling out the zip ties, I'm like, but they have better strength. The ones who are gold are going to be able to break themselves out. Ah, yes. Well, that's the trick. He wanted to lure the one who was a gold into thinking they, the, the others were easy pickings. It's very smart, even if he overdoes everything about it. Absolutely. But I do love that um, Jack like doesn't want to just sit around and wait. So he's like, all right, if you're gold, raise your hand. <laughs> This is so dumb, and but I also love it. I love it. And here's the thing. I know it was just timing because he was already breaking himself out from the zip tie. So, like, in breaking his wrist out from the zip tie, one hand went up. That's how you wrench zip ties out as you do, like, this weird yeah. twist. Yeah. Uh, so, like, it's not like he was actually raising his hand. But it's the timing is so beautiful and I love it to death and I don't care if it's ridiculous because he says if you're gold raise your hand and Hawkins breaks out of his zip tie and one hand goes up a little bit and Jack's like oh uh, wasn't expecting that to work <laughs> and then he just starts yelling for Teal and he's like Teal 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 continuing the 80s action movie theme 
uh, waits until the most dramatic moment to come out and shoot him. And Sam is like, oh yes, you waited to make sure none of the rest of us were also hiding. <laughs> it's like, sure, Sam, sure, that's sure. what it was. And it's not that this is an 80s action movie now. But, uh, surprise, there was another one amongst them. I do them. love that moment, though, the reveal, as it were, as he yes, goes to cut it. Because he sees the streak of blood. Ties, and he gets to, to um, to Rothman. Rothman. I blinked on his name for a second there. He gets to Rothman. And as he's about to cut the zip tie off, he sees that there is that there is a clear cut in his wrist in the shape of the zip tie where he tried to break himself out, which is why I'm so amused that Rothman is apparently such a nerd that even being possessed by even a super gold larva with super strength he was still too weak to break himself out of zip tie. You can only work I with what you have. Love it. You know, if you only have stringy muscles at your disposal, there's only so much you can fire them. Yeah. I love it. It's a beautiful little fucking detail. It's so funny. But Teal'c also realizes, oh, you also tried to break yourself out. <laughs> and gets smacked away for a minute, but they, they, they managed to kill Rothman. <laughs> Poor dude. Oh, I like Rothman. Uh, while all of this was happening, by the way, we got Daniel waking up in the cave, um, and Chaka was still asleep, and for a minute he tries to grab a big rock next to him and, you know, kill Chaka while he's Smash asleep, that skull. and he can't bring himself to do it, so he drops the rock next to Chaka and uh, offers to fix up his hand, which you said earlier we saw signs of, uh, clearly has a bullet from... Uh, loader in it. Uh, so Daniel helps him extract it, um, extract the bullet, and he makes the reference to, I don't suppose you know the tale of Androcles and the lion. So he tries to, like, um, communicate, connect with Chaka again after, he, he tries to get the, the, the finished part of the Androcles and the lion thing. We're like, hey, we're friends now, right? So you're gonna let me go? <laughs> kind of thing. But we're not quite there yet. Um, before, but Chaka's like, no, we, we have to keep going. Um, so before he gets dragged up, he grabs uh, a dark rock from the ground and quote-unquote stumbles next to a wall at one point and very quickly writes out this way. We don't see what he writes out. We just see him scribbling on the wall. And then, like, Chaka turns to look at him and he, like, holds the rock like hides the rock against his chest and looks down like i wasn't doing anything <laughs> it's absolutely like a child getting caught out and pretending like you don't see me <laughs> i mean slash i also did read a, a slight element of real terror like this is still he's not really entirely sure where oh yeah the line but is the like way this might get him a slash it, like, you don't see this throat. rock i wasn't doing yeah. anything you yeah. can't read my writing yeah. so me scribbling on the wall means nothing to you <laughs> uh i do question if he actually i did i did rewatch it a couple of times after i found out exactly what he wrote no <laughs> no, no, no 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 absolutely not but no. it's fine whatever <laughs> no he no no he at best he drew like a triangle yeah like, I get the arrow, but I don't get the yeah. fully written out Well, the this arrow way. is what he draws at the yeah, end. Yeah, that's exactly. Because, like, like, the arrow has, like, a triangle first. He clearly draws, like, the line at the end as he's leaving. But when I was watching yeah. the first markings, because, again, I'm trying to figure out how the fuck he had the time to write this way. And I was trying to make it work. And all he I didn't. could, the only thing I could distinguish was a triangle for the arrow. And I could not, I was like, no, this, this is not enough time. This no, is, no, no. Definitely not. 
This is another one where it's like, you should have had a different shot, but you know what? <laughs> Whatever. Uh, but yeah, so he, he draws a little note, which is clearly to help his team find him, and then he gets pulled away. And this is when, this is actually when the, the gold reveal scene happens with the team. And during the fight, uh, when Rothman revealed himself, um, the, the Malaby Marine um, gets shot in the shoulder. Sorry, did you say Malibu Marine? Mouthy. Mouthy. I heard Malibu Marine, and that cracked me up. I don't know why. If anyone's Malibu Marine, it's the guy in charge of the gate. (laughs) He's Malibu Marine. But speaking of, he gets called because uh, Mouthy Marine has been shot and can't can't go on with the rescue. And literally, again, this is another one where it's it's just a narrative tool, but it it works for like the framing of this episode basically it's decided everyone who is not sg1 is going back to the gate they're escorting the mouthy marine back um and it's just gonna be sg1 rescuing daniel because that's their boy just the main cast yeah which it's obviously a narrative tool but it's like you know what it it works in this case (laughs) convenience is as convenience does and we would not have a show without it so what are you gonna do Yep. Oh, the reason, the way that it gets used as a narrative tool is that Sam tells Jack that, you know, the two men they had to fucking kill deserve proper burials, and Mouthy Marine says, yeah, we'll take care of that. It's like, why wouldn't you take them back home? I'm assuming that's what he means, is he's gonna be taking them back home. Especially if that's I the only sure thing that makes fucking sense. hope so. Otherwise, I also had a picture of them digging holes there, and I'm like, yeah, why? To be honest, that was what I got. It should have been worded better. Um, yeah, that, but to, I, yeah. that actually, when you think about it, it makes sense why everybody else had to stay because you need enough people to carry two dead bodies. Back. Yeah, like, that's not easy. Yeah, and they're and they're like fully grown men, so that's like two hundred pounds of dead weight right there a piece. So yeah, I'm guessing I'm guessing they're tarping them up to their best ability and hauling yeah. them back mm-hmm. the however many miles. Yeah, I desperately need that to be true because otherwise they're for some fucking reason yeah, that's fucking no burying. It has to be. That Sam line needed a different line. <laughs> yeah. They they definitely stuck behind to take the bodies back through the gate. Cool. I'm glad we took a lot of time to establish this because that was driving me crazy, too. I'm like, really? Yeah, because that's a, the way she says it. It sounds like they're going to fucking bury it them in the like lake. It sounds like they're about to like, pull what? out some backpacking <laughs> shovels and just start digging away at this sandy fucking... Uh, just, ugh. It did not yeah, sound like not what was the happening. right idea. So SG went alone, get to the cave that Chaka took daniel too and uh till gets you know halfway into the cave and then looks down one hallway and says this way and then jack walks up to where he is and sees the clearly written this way with the arrow from daniel and jack just looks at till and goes you're good <laughs> i'll accept how he definitely didn't have time to write this way because i like that joke playing on the whole Teal being an expert tracker and him sounding so confident about they went this way, but it's because Daniel fucking wrote a note for them. <laughs> so they're they're hot on the trail of Daniel and Chaka. Meanwhile, Daniel is being dragged through the cave, deeper into the cave by Chaka, and Daniel's like, look, I know we've got the beginnings of a beautiful friendship, but I'm not sure your folks are gonna understand. <laughs> So Chaka brings him into a bigger open cave where the rest of the tribe of Unas are clearly living, and some of them start to come out, and one of them's definitely the Alpha. 
and like they start to move towards Daniel and Shaka immediately shoves himself in between and it's very clear in this language that we know like three words of it is very clear that he is arguing that Daniel is friend not food fish are friends not food mm -hmm. yeah and I said I fucking love this but buddy romp film thanks Deloise <laughs> uh, I love that this episode type apparently is literally called the enemy mine type episode uh and yet there's actually a later episode that has the unos in it that's called enemy mine beautiful but it's not this amazing. one so everything about this is just funny so yeah um while he's in the middle of yelling at the the dad of the tribe that this is my new best friend we can't eat him dad of the tribe that is such a way <laughs> to describe an alpha while he's doing that, SG-1 come up behind, and Daniel immediately says, like, don't shoot. Don't shoot. Because, and he's like, I think he's trying to bring me into the tribe. I think he's trying to argue to the Alpha to bring me into the tribe. And SG-1's endless patience with Daniel, they don't shoot. <laughs> they wait. And, and this is another one of those things where we've actually talked about this a couple of times where um, a lot of times the way you deliver prose, like ex expositional prose to an audience, is through dialogue. And there are clever ways to do it, and there are really clunky ways to do it. And I think this is one of the cleanest uh, examples of it, because Daniel is doing his anthropologist job and explaining what is happening to SG-1 which he has to do to make sure they don't startle and shoot and mess up this tenuous moment. Like, obviously, when it becomes a soldier issue, they make their decision. But until then, he's holding them off by explaining what is happening and why it is a bad decision to make a sudden noise or move or violence. However, he's also explaining it to the audience watching. It's so clean. I love it. Exposition is what it is. It's just, it is yeah. what it is. And delivery here is very clean yeah, and I'm not uh, mad about it. works very well with the narrati yeah, narrative. Usually my only requirement is do it in a really nice take, like a long take down a hallway or something, you know? Like, And they tend to oh, do yeah, that kind of Oh yeah, they're going to have like yeah. the briefing kind of narrative. Make it pretty. If you have to well, have it, make it pretty. Would like to do that for you, so. Exactly. So the Alpha definitely does not like that Chaka has befriended his food. And starts to approach. We've Daniel talked with about this. You don't name eyes. the rabbit. Yeah, right. And he starts to approach Daniel with uh, violence in his eyes, and Daniel shouts, uh, "Keka!" Like, don't kill. I was ready for this. Yells what he believes to mean no danger. Oh, no danger. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, because he he thinks that like Ka could be kill or dead or danger. So it's basically don't fucking kill me. <laughs> Yeah, he, he yells that, and again, much like with Chaka, him using their language to their face shocks the fuck out of the alpha. Yeah, no, if my fish talked to me... Yeah, fair enough. But this one, he has not had um, a whole day to, to realize that Daniel's not just pretty blue eyes. Uh, so he's shocked, but he still wants to kill Daniel and eat him. So at this point, SG-1 is like, all right, we're done fucking around, and they shoot him. <laughs> so he's a little shocked that Daniel says, uh, don't eat me, but he still wants to eat him. So he starts to charge at him, 
And Shuan's like, all right, we're not waiting anymore. So they shoot him. But much like uh, the last Unas that they tried to shoot, regular bullets aren't really slowing it down. It, it stops him for a second, but he's ready to come after Daniel again. Uh, at which point, Shaka's like, that is my friend. <laughs> and tackles the guy and just starts beating the shit out of him and drowns him. I uh, I do love the the violence. It was great. <laughs> I was even here for the close-ups and the shaky cam. It felt, it felt kind of eighties. Yeah, now that I think about it, it yeah, felt, it felt very much like a reenactment movie. of something. Yeah, it, it was just good. Movie. I was expecting more interesting trivia. Honestly, it was like just regular trivia. But for you know, the introduction of the gun, uh, mm-hmm. this references the movie. It's like, ooh, this confirms that Go Olds have blue blood. It's like this is all. This episode <laughs> marks the death of Rothman. I mean, it's like <clears throat> this Dude. is all basic shit. Do you think the gold having blue blood was a purposeful nod towards the term blue blood? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Um, oh, this one's kind of interesting. <clears throat> and I actually never really... Okay, so actually, I uh, this is a self-shaming moment because I uh-huh. I watched uh, Sanctuary and I remember this episode. It's actually one of my absolute fucking favorite episodes, even though it's got some really gross shit in it. There's like a body and a really... Ugh, it's gross. But mm-hmm. it's... um. It features a, 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 a savant-level autistic kid who can draw to, like, painful degree accuracy. And there's yeah. a drawing in his repertoire of Shaka. And oh I've, I've seen that episode, and I saw, I'm, just, I'm looking at the picture of it now, and I'm like, holy shit, yeah, no, there, I have no excuse. How did I? Wow. But yeah, that's, like, the only interesting piece of trivia. Everything else is hmm. just, like, or, okay, okay, maybe there's two, because the other one is, you know, okay. Dion Johnston plays Yeah. So yeah, I keep expecting there to be like more to it, considering how like there's all this like shaky cam shit, for example. So I keep expecting it to be like this is referencing this kind of classic or something like that. I guess it was nope. just more like on the uh, part of the director and less of a producer sort of feel. Like I feel yeah, like the I one that had that guest star dude from um, the the movie has that has that strength. What's his name? Um, Flash 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 Gordon. The Flash Gordon episode. Like that one uh-huh. feels like more like maybe that one's like more like a production s- style thing where they're like, no, let's rope in a whole thing and make all the references. Yeah. And this one's more of just like a loose interpretation homage. This was feel. just Eloise going. Yeah. I'm gonna make Predator. <laughs> Either way, the scene's cool. Yes, it's great. And yeah, he just flat out fucking drowns the Alpha and becomes the new Alpha of the the cave. That was easy. I love the concept that there's never going to be someone challenging him that isn't also weakened by bullets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it helps that uh, the Unas do not know what bullets are. So they don't realize they he don't was know weakened why. by bullets. Yeah, but it's just and like a- for now, at least... They are afraid of him. I just like how if he pisses off the wrong Unas, who also happens to be stronger than him, and yeah. again, not full of lead. I just, I, I'm amused. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, did, I, I, I had that same thought where I'm like, you're kind of cheating. He did yeah. get shot yeah, with bullets. He's been shot a bunch. The like, other hey, Unas take don't this know, moment, so. But... Well, I mean, in, you know what? No, it's absolutely fair. Chaka also got shot. Yeah, like both once. got shot. Yeah, this guy. No, yeah, he got yeah, shot a couple of times. Fine. Yeah, but but he got shot by a handgun, if I'm not mistaken. Whereas yes. this guy just got as, filled as with a, a P90. Yeah. So I'm still fair calling enough. different. No, I am fair. <laughs> but no, you're not wrong. He did take Listen, a couple of shots. You're not. He, he you're was not. a mean guy, and he was gonna eat Chaka's best friend Daniel. 
So true. Also, he had a couple of days to like heal ish, uh, yeah, regenerate to some degree. Whereas this guy literally Absolutely. is freshly shot, which I'm guessing at the most might give him like his equivalent of an adrenaline boost, but also he's still injured, bleeding. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Chaka is the new alpha, and Chaka, this is the first time, makes an effort of saying Daniel's name to get his attention. Like, Daniel. Daniel. And he literally just starts to, like, gesture Daniel deeper into the cave. Come home and with me. Yes! And it's, and, and he says, um... He's adopting he him like a the, cat. The Shaka thing. And then Daniel repeats it back. And Jack's like, what is he saying? What does that mean? And, um, Daniel's like, uh, I have no idea, but I think I've been invited to come back one day and find out. And that's how the episode ends. But I love that he's just like, yeah, come live with us. Daddy's like, no, I'm sorry, I have to go home. And he actually sounds kind of sad about it, because, like, they became friends. It's so sweet. But I just, I love that it ends with, I have no idea, but I think I've been invited to come back one day and find out. But that's it. That's the end of the episode. It even has one of the best fucking Stargate closes we've had in a very long time. Stargate is bad at endings, but this is an actual ending. Probably because Deloise was doing an 80s action movie. My favorite thing is I like thinking that after this, they then go back to helping their teammates haul all the corpses home. Yes, absolutely. Oh, they definitely have to send through another team to find all of the fucking dead bodies. Yeah, I'm guessing at some point they go looking for uh, SG-11, the remnants of them, or the possessed- Yeah, because like, they don't- the fates are left unclear. Yeah. There's always a chance that they were also grabbed by Unas, and Chaka releases them to SGC, but... Yeah, if you wanna- if you wanna, uh, come up with a happy ending, that's where most of SG-11 went, is they were also grabbed by other Unas, and before Daniel leaves with SG-1, Chuck goes, Oh wait! These guys look like you. Are these are these yours? Do you want them back? <laughs> My version of that's darker. Uh, he walks into his cave, sees three dead bodies, and then goes, "Oh, there's SG Eleven." Like, oh, no. Because they uh, same thing. They already found yes. them, and they uh, they already completed their rites of passage. Yeah, and now they're that's yeah. That's what I was tribe. saying. Like that's why. Because honestly, the fact that SG Eleven has disappeared, I honestly feel like Unas grabbed them, not gold. I just love that the future encounter is uh, him returning sheepishly, just like, sorry, so here's uh, just here's some of your buddies. Yeah. Uh, the alpha, it wasn't, it was the other alpha. Yeah, exactly. It was Tim, it was Tim, Bert, and Dave. Yes, them. They've been scolded. They're not allowed to go on hunts anymore. <laughs> but yeah, here you go. Sorry. Oh, there's um, only a couple of bite marks. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's two options to how this episode ends off screen. But uh, the ending itself is very strong, so gotta give Deloise credit for that. Um, I usually do this one last, but I think there's no fucking, there's no obfuscation here. What's your, uh, your Joaquin Phoenix oh, for this thumbs episode? Thumbs up, thumbs up. As many thumbs up as I can possibly fucking give. I, I am delighted by this episode. Like, obviously, there are other Stargate episodes I love, but this one I love, and it's just like, just simple delight. Like, a lot of the other Stargate episodes I love is because they're tragic. Whereas this one is just so fun. I just love it. It's just, it's just, like I said, I it's that unironic love of the 80s camp cheese. Uh, it's beautiful. 
Speaking of, did we want to give him another Hall of Fame for director as well? Uh... The only reason I'm asking is because I feel like his directing tied perfect. To me, it made it very clear he was making an 80s action movie. Like, it felt like he was making an 80s action movie. I felt like the narrative tie-in with the directing was just perfect, pitch perfect. But if you don't agree, then that's fine. Because we've given him a lot of tallies. We don't give the tallies out that much. So, like, I'm fine not doing it. I The only reason I even brought it up is because of the fact that, like, I thought the... Because of the fact that I was like, oh yeah, this is an 80s action movie. Like, I got that from the beginning, but... Yeah, fuck it, let's do it, man. Uh, so, yeah, that's our thumbs up. Uh, are you a Jack or a Daniel for oh, this I'm a Daniel. episode? I'm a Daniel. I'm a Daniel. I didn't even... I already wrote see both of above. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just see above. All of the above. I, I love He is my sarcastic so little spirit animal. Like, Jack can sometimes be my sarcastic spirit animal, but today... Daniel mm. was my sarcastic spirit animal. Oh my lord. Um, yes, no, I love him. I love him so much. The the part with the uh, tossing the gold into the fire, that's... Yeah. Oh no, look yeah. what happened. Oh no, it's in the fire. Baron <laughs> Field of Fucks Daniel. Baron Field of Fucks Daniel. Love him. Baron Field of yes, Fucks Daniel is my I, favorite. Uh, I will miss sweet Daniel, but god damn, Baron Field of Fucks Daniel. Floppy-haired puppy Daniel. He's already dead, okay? The hair is gone. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, um, movie Daniel also had a couple of barren fields of fucks. He he had at least one full field left at that point. Primarily, but... barren field of fucks Daniel is my favorite. Yeah. I'm just sad that he gets assaulted so much in life. I know. I just finished watching Lucifer, and my whole body lately is like... Eric was just telling me that Kevin Alejandro is going to be in some new thing coming up. And I was like, oh, thank God. I'm still bruised from the treatment of Dan. This guy got done dirty, man. This whole show, Aww. he was just the show's punching bag. And I'm just like, I'm not here for this. So, yeah, it's kind of yeah. like that. I just, uh, I'm here for the punching bags. And uh, Daniel's one hell of a punching bag. Yes. And the fact that he he still is, but he fucking hates it is delightful. So, uh... Next week, we are covering Season 4, Episode 9, Scorched Earth. And the summary is, After relocating an endangered civilization to a quote-unquote safe new planet, the team realizes that another race of aliens is planning to incinerate the planet's surface to make it inhabitable for their own race. Will SG-1 be able to reason with the marauding aliens, or will their plans for interplanetary diplomacy go up in flames? Just silence from you. <laughs> I have feelings about this episode. It's not like it's... Okay, I, I use this so much. It's not that it's bad, it's just that I hate it. <laughs> it has Gaeta in it uh, from, from Battlestar. Hmm. That's honestly the only thing i can remember about it that i like at the moment it's the duo that did window of opportunity yeah it's not that it's bad it's just that i hate it uh i, <laughs> I it's 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 I is think it it's one of those ending. plots like, is I, it's, it, like it's the plot so painfully fucking like. convenient at the end oh. and you do hate convenience <laughs> i'll remember it when we get to it i'm sure but until then if you want to get a hold of us, you can find me on Twitter at It's Mel Not Liss, or our podcast Twitter at Point of Origin PC. 
You can also email us at pointoforigincast at gmail.com or write something outside of a tissue box and toss it through the nearest wormhole. You can find links to things we talked about during the show in the show notes. And if you like our show, please don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thanks for joining us on our incursion through the iris, and until next time. Thank you.